0: Welcome into the show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us on this Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. For those of you who have not already done so, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico 99 That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. Give me a follow over there. You get links to all my shows. You get my threads, daily thoughts, things like that. So go ahead, give me a follow there. And while I've got you, go ahead and scroll down to the bottom of your Spotify, uh, Apple Music, Stitcher, however it is you consume your podcast, scroll down to the bottom of the page and just leave a nice review, five-star rating, something like that would really be nice to help us move up in search results. So that is it today. We'll keep it short and sweet with the self-promotion items. Let's get into our, our meat of our show, which is going to be the recapping of yesterday's games. Now, one thing I'll say before we really get started today is that it is a very rainy day um, pretty much everywhere, specifically on the East Coast. So there's already been a couple of postponements today. The Cubs and Dodgers have been postponed and the Yankees Rangers have been postponed. So I'm going to talk about all the games that are supposed to happen today. Um, There is a likelihood that there will be more of them that will be postponed. So some of the stuff I end up saying will probably not end up mattering too much. I'll talk about starters, and if they do get postponed, then you can just carry that advice over into tomorrow, most likely. It'll be the same guys. Um, they've talked about the Jays and the Guardians, perhaps, uh, will be canceled. So if it is canceled, Kevin Gosman and Shane Bieber, the starters there, the same advice I'll give you about them today would apply for tomorrow. So just a little note as we get started here. You might be listening to this, and you might say, what are you talking about? The Jays-Guardians game has already been canceled. Who knows? Um, at the time of recording, they have not canceled it yet, so we will we will talk about all these games as though they are going to happen, even though there is a decent chance that a couple of them won't. So that's for today's games. Let's get into yesterday's games, and we'll start off with the Blue Jays and the Guardians. Here, it was a six five Guardians victory, and you know Jose Barrios was really unimpressive yesterday, guys. I watched this game, I watched most of this game anyway, and through four and two thirds, he did not record a strikeout, which is really concerning. Give up eight hits and six earned runs. Not his best stuff, even close to it. Now, he wasn't giving up hard contact. A lot of it was just bloopy stuff. Bloop singles, uh, balls down the line, uh, taking advantage of shifts that the Jays did. So he wasn't terrible. They weren't tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, He did give up one home run, which was to Stephen Kwan, which is his first career home run. Congratulations to Stephen Kwan, a guy I've been pretty high on to this point. Good for him to see him get a home run. I wish it had come against a different team and a different night. But nonetheless, good for him. Uh, Burrios, he's going to be all right. But right now, I'm a little bit concerned about what I've been seeing. Um, the strikeouts haven't been terrible to this point. But to have zero, uh, you know, even Zach Greinke usually ends up with a strikeout or two at the end of an outing. So I- I'm not thrilled by it. I'm definitely not thrilled by it. The last couple outings, Houston and Boston, or Boston twice actually, had been pretty good. So we're not going to panic. I wouldn't be selling Barrios or anything like that. Uh, definitely not excited about it, but what there's, it is what it is, right? Uh, on the other side, Aaron Savali got the win despite being not great, but definitely better than Barrios. Uh, over five and two-thirds, six hits, four earned runs. And I think the big surprise here for Aaron Savali and his owners and probably for Terry Francona as well was the fact that he had eight strikeouts here. His previous high on the season was five, and I think he struck out the first five Blue Jays that he faced that he actually got out because there was a massive home run from Vladimir Guerrero in the first inning. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Like, it probably took the ball maybe two seconds from the time it hit Vladdy's bat until the time it was in the bleachers. It was absolutely destroyed. Uh, Like, he, he... he absolutely murdered it. I was about to use a bit of profanity there to describe it, but we'll keep it clean. We'll keep it clean for any kids that might be listening. He murdered that baseball. So, yeah, I mean, go ahead and watch that video. It was, it was, uh, it was a screaming shot. He's lucky he didn't kill somebody with it. Honestly. Um, anyway, that was the first little blemish for Savali. After that, he settled down uh, and didn't give up any runs until the sixth inning. The Jays' offense is maybe starting to turn it around a little bit. Bo Bichette had three hits, and he's looking a little bit better. And Alejandro Kirk hit his first home run of the season. So there is some optimism in that Jays lineup that they're going to turn it around. To this point, they have been fairly unimpressive. I mean, the whole of Major League Baseball has been unimpressive with the offense. But this Jays team was expected to be like the number one offense, maybe number two to the Dodgers. But... They've not performed up to that rate, and yes, missing Teosca Hernandez has not helped. But hopefully we're starting to see guys like Boba and Alejandro Kirk turn it around here, and we'll have some better days ahead offensively. Uh, on, on the Cleveland side, we already mentioned the Stephen Kwan home run, which was the main piece of offense there. Uh, also a three-hit day from Franmil Reyes, which is good to see from him because he has really struggled to this point of the season. And a lot of people are worried about him, and a lot of people are dropping Franmil Reyes. I would not be dropping him. I would hold on... Um, you know, some people were doing this last year. A lot of people did this last year, including a buddy of mine in in a friendly We did. He set to hell with Franmil Reyes pretty early on, and he regretted it. I don't know how early he ended up regretting it, but by the end of the year, Franmil Reyes ended up with thirty home runs, and he is that kind of guy who can who can go off. So I'm not going to be worried at this point about Franmil. We'll hold on, and we'll worry about him at another time. But good to see him get a three hit ball game. Let's move on to the Angels and the Red Sox. And it was the Shohei show in Fenway. It was a seven-inning performance from Shohei, giving up six hits and striking out 11. No runs, no earned runs, no walks. Really a fantastic outing from him there. Uh, And not to mention he had a two-hit day at the plate, too. So absolute stud. Shohei Otani is an absolute stud. And he's one of those guys I feel like, honestly, he's going to go down as one of the greatest players in baseball history. And I don't think that's really a hot take, but... I don't think it'll take him, I don't think he'll need a lot of years of doing what he's doing here at this high level. I think if he does this for a couple of years, that's all he really needs because this is so unprecedented, right? To be able to go out there and throw seven innings, strike out 11, and then also have a couple of base hits, score a run, knock in a run. He steals bases, he hits home runs, like he's just so, he's so elite that it's just it's hard to see him not going down as as an all time great, and it, it's really incredible for the Angels to have Otani and Mike Trout on this team at the same time. Like it's really, really incredible. So, if you drafted Shohei Otani, you're obviously very happy, and I'm sure you who you guys who play on ESPN are even happier because, as I've mentioned a couple of times on this show, I don't know exactly what the split is of my viewers who listen who play ESPN versus those who play. You know, if there's any NFBC players, CBS, Yahoo. Um, on ESPN, Otani is one player. He is the pitcher and the designated hitter. And for those of you who are mainstays on ESPN, you might be saying, well, of course he's one p- hitter. He's one-, he's one person. On Yahoo, he is split into two separate players. He is the pitcher, Otani, and he is the hitter, Otani. You have to draft him separately. You have to plug in two separate spots in your lineup for those two guys. So all that being said, if you have him in ESPN, absolute monster asset and even if you have him in the other leagues if you have the separate Otani entities really great stuff so far Uh, and it will continue I would imagine he has been he's been really good on the mound Uh, this was his best start of the season but really just uh, fanboying a little bit over Otani I really love the guy I think he's really fantastic Uh, let's take a look on the other side here it was a real shame Uh, Rich Hill who I wasn't really big on going into the start Had a really nice outing over five innings, giving up just one hit and striking out six. And then Tanner Howe came in and absolutely got destroyed in two and a third. Gave up five hits, seven earned runs. Uh, He did strike out four and walked one. It's a shame to waste a Rich Hill outing like that. Not sure how many more of those they are going to be at age 42. You have to imagine he's probably going to be done after this year, although you could have said that after each of the last couple of seasons and you would have been wrong. So... I'm not sure uh, exactly what we're going to get out of Rich Hill this year, but so far he's been very good. Uh, Tanner Houck, really unfortunate. I think he's a lot better than this. He's not really a fantasy asset right now, but down the line he will be a fantasy asset for sure. Uh, let's keep it going here with the blue uh, with the Brewers and the Reds. It was a 10-5 Brewers victory here. And this one is not what I was expecting out of Adrian Hauser. <clears throat> he did still get the victory and go five innings and strike out six. So those are the positives. Um, he did... However, he gave up seven hits, five runs. Only four of them were earned, though, uh, and he walked one. So not a bad outing from Hauser here. Uh, early on, it was a bit of a scare, especially as someone who recommended him yesterday, and I look in the first inning and see he's given up three earned runs, and I'm thinking to myself uh, that people are going to be upset. The people are going to be upset with Joe today. Uh, it, he just he didn't really have it early on, and he did settle down, and he did end up getting the victory and some decent strikeouts. If you did stream him so My apologies uh, for the little bit of an inflation on the earned run average there. But, I mean, anybody who tells you they can predict this with 100% accuracy, they should be in fortune telling. They should be in a different kind of business because no one can really do this 100% of the time. You can, a lot of the time, you can predict generally what's going to happen. But even though those times when you think you can predict what's going to happen, you really don't know anything. We don't know anything. So, Hauser looked like the best option yesterday, and he was a pretty decent streaming option. Not fantastic, the performance, but he was he was good enough to get the victory here. Uh, on the other side, Hunter Green. I Carumba, as Bart Simpson would say. My goodness, this was rough. Uh, I have him in a couple of points leagues, and he returned in the negatives yesterday. Now, the strikeouts have been fantastic for him. If you just had him for strikeouts, if you bet an over for strikeouts yesterday, if you guys are into betting, uh, he had seven strikeouts. In two and two thirds. That's really good. Now, the really bad is that he gave up five home runs, uh, eight earned runs on nine hits, while also walking a batter. It was a complete home run parade for the Brewers. There was one from Luis Urias. There was one from Christian Yelich, Two from Willie Adamas. uh, One from Tyrone Taylor. And who was the last one? Keston Hiura hit a home run. So they had all systems going today. uh, Kind of crazy. They had six home runs and only ten total runs. It happens. Uh, The Reds are really bad, guys. The Reds are truly bad. Hunter Green is going to be better than this, but this was really bad. They may send him down. I'm not sure exactly, because they're not playing for anything this year. It's not like they need the spot on the Major League roster to try and compete. They might just keep him up and let him get knocked around a few times, let him give up the long balls, and just work the kinks out up in the Major Leagues and face Major League hitting as opposed to AAA. All right. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um so I'm not really I'm not really sure what to do with him. I mean in shallow leagues, yeah, in an 8 10 team league, no, you're not going to be able to roster him. If you're in a deeper league, I'd probably hold on. One of the, the points league that I have or one of the points leagues that I have him in is a very deep kind of points league. It's just a 10 team points league, but the roster sizes are massive. There's about 350 400 players uh, on the rosters. So in that kind of in that kind of situation, I'm probably going to hold on to him. At the same time, I understand moving on because he's been very rough. The strikeouts are a huge plus, but uh, at the expense of everything else, it's going to be a little bit hard to hold on uh, in shallow leagues, in in standard slash deeper. So like anything, fourteen and deeper, fourteen teams and deeper. I would be pretty okay holding him, or like I said in those other circumstances, if maybe it's just a shallower league but very deep roster sizes. I wouldn't give up on him just quite yet. I think there's a lot of potential there. If you roster him, hold on and see what happens. I wouldn't go and make a move on him, but if you already have him, then you have nothing really to lose there. Let's move on to the Colorado Rockies and the Washington Nationals. It was a 9-7 to victory for the Rockies, and we had Antonio Sensatella on the mound, not great, not terrible, over four and a third, gave up three runs, two of them were earned, shout only one batter, and walked two, he was fine, nothing really, nothing really to write home about, and nothing you really have to worry about on the fantasy side, Daniel Bard did collect another save, his eighth save of the season, and he's looking like a really nice early season waiver wire pickup for, I mean, he might have been drafted in some cases, but a lot of the times he was on the waiver wire, he's got eight saves and ten appearances now, 13 strikeouts, only giving up two earned runs, so Really good stuff out of Daniel Bard. Uh, If you have him on your team, you're probably very happy. On the national side, Aaron Sanchez. We talked about Aaron Sanchez as being not a great option, and he wasn't great. He's just not a great pitcher anymore. Through four and a third, he gave up six hits, seven runs. Six of them were earned, uh, four strikeouts, two walks. There's no fantasy move to be had there, really. As as much as I I remember his time in Toronto fondly and like the guy personally, Uh, There's not really going to be a move there uh, on the fantasy side. One thing I want to mention real quick is Juan Soto has six home runs and only seven RBIs. Uh, He went deep yesterday. They need to start getting guys on base because this is a little bit bit ridiculous there. It reminds me of Bryce Harper last year when he had like 20 home runs and I think 36 RBIs or something crazy. Similar kind of situation. Um, You'd like to see some more guys on base for Soto. I did draft Soto quite a bit this year. You'd like to see more RBIs out of him for sure. Through the first month, you would have hoped that he'd have more than seven. But, you know, obviously he's he's going to be fine. Juan Soto's going to be fine. Let's move on to our next game, which was the Mets and the Phillies. 8-7 Mets victory, and this came off of a seven-run top of the ninth for the Mets. Seven runs in the top of the ninth. Now, let's start with the starting pitchers here. So Aaron Nola had a fantastic outing, completely get wasted. Seven innings, three hits, one earned run, which came on a homer. He struck out seven. He was fantastic. He is definitely looking a lot better these last few outings, these last three outings, I think. He's really looked like a great asset. So those of you who are panicking a little bit about Aaron Nola, and I will count myself tentatively among those people because I was a little bit panicky about him I wasn't totally sure that we were going to have, I mean, the strikeouts are going to be there. You know the strikeouts are going to be there. I was a little worried that we might have similar ERA to last year, like mid-fours. So it's good to see him having good starts uh, against good teams. The Mets are a very good team. The Mets have had a very good offense. And they showed that once Nola came out of the game, they put up a seven spot in the ninth inning. Uh, on the Mets side, Taiwan Walker went four innings, gave up nine hits, seven runs. Six of them were earned. Now, I said he was an all-right streaming option for yesterday with the note that <clears throat> they have faced him twice in a row before the start. So he has had made, he's made three starts this year, Taiwan Walker, all of them against the Phillies. And I was a little worried that they were going to eventually figure him out there. Uh, and they did. They did. So I, I don't think Taewon Walker is this bad. He's not this bad. Uh, I understand moving on from him, but I would probably hold on. Honestly, I'd probably not move on just yet. Next, let's get into the Twins and the Orioles. It was a 5-3 Orioles victory here. A little bit of a surprise that the Orioles got the victory. I was not really expecting that. Um, But nonetheless, it it was a victory for the Orioles here. Spencer Watkins was the pitcher, and I don't know if you guys listened to the DFSA podcast. I was advising uh, a twin stack in the lineup yesterday. I thought it would be a lot worse than it was for Spencer Watkins, but he was not terrible. You know, four and two-thirds, seven hits, three earned runs, struck out two and walked two. That's fine. It's not great, but it's fine, you know. Um, Obviously, you're not going to worry about it for a pickup. You're not going to worry about picking him up, although he's been... He's been one of the okay arms out there this year. But you're not going to worry about it. Low strikeout number, bad team. He's not going to be much of an asset. So we're not going to worry about him there. Uh, On the offensive side, they had a pretty good day. Cedric Mullins hit a home run. Austin Hayes hit a home run. And Ryan Mountcastle hit two home runs. Uh, And also, Jorge Mateo hit a home run. I didn't even see that. That was kind of almost snuck by me. Jorge Mateo also hit a home run. So a good offensive outpouring from uh, the Orioles. Five home runs. All solo home runs. But five home runs nonetheless. Uh, On the twin side, Chris Archer. I was expecting a little bit more here. I thought he'd go more than four innings. He did go just the four and give up five hits, two in runs, striking out six. Good option. I thought he'd be a bit better. It's unfortunate. Um, You can drop him and move on to the next streamer. Okay, let's go on to the next game here. was the Astros and the Tigers, and we got a really good start out of Jose Arquiti. He went six innings, giving up six hits. No earned runs Uh, while he struck out three and only walked one batter. Really good stuff out of him there. You'd like the strikeouts to be a little bit higher, but it is what it is. Pretty solid outing from him there. Ryan Presley came in in the ninth and blew the save. Uh, Not a great performance for him there. He did get the victory, uh, but he had just come back from the IL. He had some knee problem, and he took longer than the minimum 10 days on the IL. He was gone for, for Quite a while, actually. I think it was like, you know, three weeks or so. Maybe he's not fully ready yet. He didn't look great when he came in here. Uh, Just from what I saw from highlights, I didn't watch it myself. A little bit concerning. Um, If you did pick up Rafael Montero, maybe just hold on to him for another day or two. Uh, Maybe you dropped him if you own Presley to, to reactivate Presley there. Um, But I might hold on to Montero just maybe through the weekend and just make sure, because Presley doesn't look great. Um, A lot of people are talking about how they think the injury might not be healed. So I would probably, if you did add him, uh, hold on to Montero and see uh, next time out how Presley looks. On the other side, Tariq Skubal had a six-inning, pretty solid outing actually, six hits, two earned runs, and nine strikeouts. He's been better than I thought he would be this year, that, that is for sure. Uh, a couple people before the season were talking to me about Tariq School and I wasn't very big on him at all, and he's actually been pretty good. So if you have him, I'd probably hold on to him. He's the preferred starter out there in Detroit, I would imagine. Um, some people may prefer uh, Rodriguez, Eduardo Rodriguez, but that I don't. And probably not a lot of people do, but some people, people seem to really like Eduardo Rodriguez. I'm not really sure why. He's never really been a great pitcher. But people really get attached to him, and the Tigers gave him a lot of money. I think it was five years, $77 million deal. I think that's going to look pretty brutal for them in a couple of years. But, I mean, it already doesn't look great. He's pitching to a career high, uh, a career low, actually, ERA, depending on how you want to look at it, 533. Probably not going to be great. Um, Obviously, I've (laughs) got distracted a little bit here. We're talking about Tariq Skubal. Yes, he is the preferred starting option in Detroit at the moment. Uh, he's been he's been very good, so uh, very surprising, but he has been very good. Let's move on to the Padres and the Marlins. It was a two-one Padres victory here, and you know we got a pretty solid start at a Nick Martinez. I've talked in the past; I'm not a huge Nick Martinez fan, but over seven innings, giving up four hits, one earned run, and uh, striking out four is completely serviceable stuff. Manny Machado hit two home runs for the Padres. That really was the whole offense for them. They only had the two runs. So they have their victory to thank for uh, Manny Machado. <clears throat> he is the number one ranked player in fantasy to this point on the season. The numbers across the board for him, just for a second, we'll, we'll, we'll do a little Manny appreciation here. He's batting 374. He has 37 base hits, seven home runs, seven doubles. He's scored 25 runs. He's knocked in 20, and he's stolen five bases while not being caught yet. He has been Absolutely fantastic. And I had a friend of mine in uh, one of our friend leagues talk to me, and he said somebody offered him Bo Bichette for Manny Machado. And this was maybe close to a week ago, and I was thinking it's probably going to be pretty okay to get Bo back for Machado. But the but how good Machado has been, uh, this is, I mean, I don't think he'll be this hot the whole year. Obviously, 374 is not very realistic. But he has been Fantastic. Like, uh, I probably wouldn't do that. Looking back on it, I told him it probably would. You probably would get hurt on it, and you probably won't if you were to make a trade like that. But Machado has been just unbelievable. So I, at this point, you're probably not selling him for anything. Um, Trading him for Bobaschette is pretty solid, but you probably don't want to be selling him. On the other side here, Jesus Lazardo over six innings. Pretty solid stuff. He's not been uh quite as good as he was that first time out. And I mean, granted, he was still good. He gave up a couple of home runs, but six innings, he struck out seven guys, gave up three hits, two earned runs, and walked three. Not as sharp as he has been. But, you know, he's still he's still obviously someone you're not moving on from. Just he hasn't quite lived up to that first start in my eyes, anyway. I thought he'd go going forward, I thought he'd be like really a solid top-of-the-line pitcher this year. And he's been he's been good, but I don't think I think he might have fooled us a little bit with that first outing, with how good he's going to be going forward. Just a couple more games to get through from yesterday, so we have the Rays and the Marlins, and it was a four three victory for the Rays. Shane McClanahan I thought would be a little bit better than this. He went five and a third, gave up three hits, two runs, both of them were earned, and struck out five. He did get the victory, and you know he he's not. It wasn't a bad outing by any means. I uh, just kind of had my expectations raised for McClanahan going forward. So I thought he'd do a little bit better than this, but you'll take this a uh, five-inning start with five strikeouts and a victory. It's pretty solid, so you'll, you'll take it. On the Seattle side, Robbie Ray is still not Robbie Ray, guys. Um, those of you who drafted him very high this year are probably not feeling very good about it. He went six and two-thirds, which is good, but he gave up seven hits, four earned runs, uh, only striking out five. He's not been what uh, we thought he would be coming into the year, for sure. He's definitely taken a step back, leaving Toronto, which is something that was pretty easy to predict, honestly. It looked like it was going to be not as good as he was last year, because last year was kind of a miracle for him. So, obviously, you're not selling him at this point. Um, Well, maybe you are, but you're not going to get a lot of value for him if you are. Probably the best course of action is to just hold until you get one or two solid starts in a row where he maybe pushes up around 10 strikeouts, and then you try and sell him. But for right now, I'd probably just hold on to him. You're not going to be selling him for top value. You're going to be selling him for like all-time low value. So hold on to him for now see if he can turn it around uh, next time out. Next couple times out, really. He needs to have a couple of good starts in a row before he's really earned the trust again. Let's move on to the last game we're going to be recapping from yesterday: the Cardinals and the Giants. It was a seven-one Cardinals victory, and you know, Nicholas, man, I'm, he's really surprised me uh, this year. He's went five and two-thirds, seven hits, one earned run, struck out three and walked three. His ERA through six starts and thirty-five innings is one point five three, which is unbelievable. No one would have expected that. He needs to be on. He needs to be rostered in every single league. Doesn't matter how shallow, how deep it is, he needs to be on rosters. He's been that good. Absolutely go ahead and grab him. The strikeouts have kind of fluctuated up and down. He only had three yesterday. Um, but overall, he needs to be rostered for sure. Uh, on the San Francisco side, it was more of a bullpen day. Mauricio Lovera ended up going. And it was supposed to be, I think, uh, Alex Cobb yesterday. And I think there was some kind of, some kind of change or... Um, yeah, they pushed him back, Alex Cobb. I'm not really sure why. Yesterday, when we talked, we thought it would be uh, Cobb going yesterday. So, not really sure why uh, they pushed him back, but he'll be going tomorrow anyway. Um, was it Cobb or was it Logan Webb actually? Now I'm getting my uh, I'm getting my San Francisco starters mixed up. So Webb last pitched on the thirtieth, and Cobb last pitched on on May the 1st. So it would have been it would have been Webb actually, I think. Uh Yeah, I think it would have been Webb. I'm getting my uh, San Francisco starters. I think it's the Bees in their name Cobb Webb. I guess I know Cobb Webb, right? I think that's where the confusion comes from anyway. Um, <laughs> so th- not much to talk about in terms of San Fran pitching from yesterday. It was a bullpen day where they used like pretty much every single member of their pen. Uh, and they got blown out. So not great for San Francisco, obviously. But not nothing really to talk about on the fantasy side there. So that we've covered yesterday. Let's move ahead to today's games. Take a look at what's going on today. And we've already talked about how there's been some postponements. Um, the Dodgers and the Cubs game, which was supposed to take place uh, around 2.30 uh, p.m. Eastern time. And then the Yankees-Rangers, they've called that off quite a bit in advance. That wasn't until tonight, that game. So... It is very rainy on the East Coast here. Um, I'm seeing it out my window right now. It's not terrible looking. uh, But anyway, if they're playing in Toronto tonight, then they may go ahead with this game. But we will start off with Toronto at Cleveland, where there is no dome to cover them up. So uh, assuming they start, assuming they go, it'll be Kevin Gosman and Shane Bieber, which would be a fantastic pitching matchup. I'm really hoping that they do go. Kevin Gosman is... Really fantastic. Uh, Arguably best pitcher in the American League to this point. I think you can make that argument. Um, Logan Gilbert might have something to say about it. But Gosman has gone 31 and two-thirds innings. Striking out 41. Has not walked a batter yet. He has not walked a single batter. So Gosman has been as good as you could have hoped for as a Jays fan. As the Jays management coming in here. Uh, And essentially replacing Robbie Ray for a little bit of a cheaper price. Um, so you'll, you'll take it absolutely as a Jays fan, as a fantasy manager as well. Gosman has been great. Shane Bieber. There was a little bit of concern earlier on in the season about uh, Velo and strikeout numbers as well, but he's looked, he's looked fine these last couple of times out going around six, seven innings, giving up between one and three runs, which is which is what you need from your ace, right? To give you six, seven innings, give up one, two runs every time out, give your team a chance to win. And he's been doing that, so this should be a fantastic pitching matchup. I'm really hoping that this game goes ahead as planned. Uh, The next game is the Pirates and the Reds. Uh, JT Brubaker and Connor Overton will be the starters here. Neither of these guys I can tell you in good faith that it would make sense to add them. Yes, Brubaker has a nice matchup here against the Reds, but the Reds' offense showed us yesterday they're not completely dead. They can still go out and give you a couple runs. No, they weren't crazy good yesterday would they give you five runs, but still, they can still put some... Put some noise out there. So neither of these guys I'm going to be recommending. Uh, If you want to set guys in terms of daily lineups or if you want to stream in a batter for one of these teams in anticipation of a bit of a higher scoring game, I'd be totally fine with that. I'd be totally fine with it because neither of these guys uh, are terribly impressive to me. Let's keep it going with the Royals and the Orioles. Carlos Hernandez and Jordan Lyles. Again, not anything I'm going to be really too interested in. Jordan Lyles has been... Kind of pretty all right this year. He had the one bad start against the Yankees, but other than that, he's been pretty good. Well, his first start against Tampa wasn't great either, but three of his last four starts have been good against Boston, Oakland, and there was another one against the Yankees where he was very good. He pitches better at home. Uh, that is, that is for sure. His his two good starts of the year, or his three good starts of the year anyway, two of them have come at home. So. I'm all right in a deeper format to take him here, but it's a very risky play uh, heading into the weekend. You'd kind of have to know your categories and know what you need. He's not really going to be a massive strikeout contributor. If you're really desperate for strikeouts, then he can help you a little bit. Not going to be a huge contribution from him there. Overall, it's probably a pass for me, but in certain situations in deeper leagues or if you're just desperate for starters for innings pitch, then he's not a bad option. There's definitely a lot worse. Uh, Carlos Hernandez, though, no no chance. We're going to be staying away from him there. His last time out was against the Yankees, and he wasn't too bad, but every time out he's given up three, four, or five runs, so no need for him to be added in any any format for me. Uh, Next game is the Mets and the Phillies, and we have Max Scherzer and Kyle Gibson. This should be a really nice matchup as well. Scherzer obviously is going to do well. Well, okay. Maybe not. Maybe not, Joseph. Maybe not. Uh, He's done very well these last few starts, except for the Phillies start. So I would expect him to do a bit better than he did the last time out. And some people look at it the other way around, that the, the batters have just recently seen him, so they know his stuff. I think that works more in the advantage of a veteran pitcher in that case. So I'm really fine with using Scherzer in, in a daily lineup, despite the high price that he'll have. Uh, and season long formats, there should be no problem with him here. Kyle Gibson, I would honestly, I'm a little more nervous about. He doesn't have that same kind of power that that Scherzer has. He's. I don't know. He's not very confidence inspiring, especially against the Mets here that are really they know how to they know how to put runs on the board. So Gibson is kind of a He's an all right option depending on the categories you need. Like we've said, uh, he can be a good ratio guy, but it's a very tough matchup. So I'm not convinced that you need to start him tonight. Uh, at this point in the week, you probably know generally where your categories are. I think it's I think it's a 50-50, honestly, depending on if you want to start him. I think you have to look at how you're doing uh, in the week and make the make the determination based on your categories and how they're looking right now. Let's move on to the White Sox and the Red Sox. <clears throat> Vince Velasquez and Nate Iavaldi. Uh, I feel good about Iavaldi here. Not so much about Velasquez. Iavaldi's uh, last time out, I believe, was against that. The start against the Jays. No, he had a Baltimore one in between there, actually. Uh, both really good outings, though. I, I watched that Jays one, and he was fantastic. I didn't see the Baltimore one, but it was an even better outing from the line. He is a good play to go to with tonight. Absolutely. Vince Velasquez... Very iffy. I mean, the Red Sox haven't been a great team, but I'm not really going to be convinced you need to use one of your weekend ads on him. So, overall, it's a pass. Pass on Velasquez, for sure. Uh, Evaldi, absolutely, he is, he is good to go tonight. Next game is the Brewers and the Braves. And Eric Lauer, we will see if this continues. The last two outings have been 13 and 11 strikeouts. A combined one earned run in 13 innings, and that one earned run was a home run. So, he's been Fantastic. Really interested to see if he can keep it up here against a Braves team that has not done particularly well this year. I'm interested to see what kind of outing he can bring. <clears throat> He'd be a fantastic play tonight uh, in DFS, I would imagine. He's probably going to be a f- little bit expensive, but he probably won't be at that max kind of salary area. Like He probably will still be in the 40s somewhere, mid $40 range. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about him tonight. Jesse Chavez, eh. He's kind of an eh. He's been pretty good this year, but I'm not really going to be worried about him. The Brewers have been a really good team so far to this point, and I'm not going to be using an ad on a guy like Jesse Chavez. So we'll not spend a ton of time there. Let's move on. Now, there are a couple of games where we don't have um, confirmed starting pitching matchups. So this next one, Oakland and the Twins, Josh Winder is going to be starting for the Twins. Pretty confident in saying that. Oakland, uh, at this point, I don't believe, has announced a starting pitcher. Let me see. Uh, according to ESPN right now, I'm not seeing that there is a starting pitcher. Um, let me do a quick search while we're here and see if anything has been announced while I've been on the air. So, duh, duh, duh. N- nothing really. Uh no, nothing, nothing in terms of the Oakland starter. So that one is a mystery for me at this point. Um, yeah, I, I can't speak on something that hasn't been announced. So I'm not really sure there. Josh Winder uh, looks like a pretty decent, decent option, and I think he was actually really crazy expensive in, in the DFS slate when I was looking this morning on Yahoo. They had him in the high forties for price, which is crazy too high. So there, I'm probably gonna be staying away from him. But if you wanted to use an ad in in your weekly leagues, then absolutely uh, no problem there. Or in your weekly leagues, in your, in your season long leagues, I mean, like weekly scoring, you're heading into the weekend, uh, which is then essentially the weekend is the playoffs of the week, right? Of every single week of your, if you're in a head to head league, then every weekend is kind of like a little mini playoffs. So I feel all right. Adding Josh, Josh Winder in that situation. Uh, this is another one where we don't really have a confirmed starter. So Joanna Doan is supposed to be starting for the nationals. And now, I've literally just put out on Twitter this morning that Michael Lorenzen is a pretty good ratio stream for today for the Angels. But I don't know that he's going to be starting anymore. They've talked about him as not starting. He's going to start tomorrow. But there are still some places that list him, like Yahoo still lists him as today's starter. Um, Now, there was something, some bit of news yesterday about how He left the game yesterday to fly back to Anaheim uh, in advance of a start. Joe Madden wanted him to pinch hit late in the game. Uh, Lorenzen, for those of you guys who don't know, he actually, I I believe, I don't know too much about him, but I think he was a converted position player. And I know last year he actually had two players on Yahoo, similar to Otani. There was a pitcher Lorenzen and a hitter Lorenzen. Um, so Madden wanted to use him late in the game. He had already left and maybe that has something to do with it. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure why it really would. It's not like they had to use him. If he flew back to Anaheim to prepare for his start, you figure he'd be okay to make his start. According to Twitter and the score and ESPN, uh, I'm, I honestly don't know. There's very conflicting reports about Michael Lorenzen. I think I think he's starting. But honestly, it's 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 a weird day with the rain and maybe that has a maybe that's a factor even though this is a game in Los Angeles, so I don't know why it would. It's really strange and I don't know who's going to be starting for the Angels, honestly. <laughs> it's it's not public knowledge at this point. So on the other side, Joanna Odone, who I mentioned uh, briefly, he's not a very good option tonight. I would I would be using Angels batters uh, against him in DFS lineups. So if you want to use a Walsh, um, maybe Ward's a little bit expensive, Taylor Ward, but, you know, your Walshes, your Otanis, your Mike Trouts, uh, I'd feel really good about using them here. has pitched to an ERA that is 733 to this point in the season, and he's had one good start. It was against Arizona. Every other start has been at least four earned runs, four, six, five, and four. Those are the earned run numbers. So I feel very good using Los Angeles Angels players against him here tonight. Uh, the Tigers and the Astros. We have Bo Brisk Brisky. Brisk? I'm not sure how that one's pronounced. Actually, I think it's Briesk. Briesk. I'm not sure. Uh, he'll be starting for the Dodgers or for the Dodgers for the Tigers tonight. He's not someone that you're going to want to go ahead and use a move on. Uh, a little bit too risky for my liking heading into the weekend here. Luis Garcia on the other side should be a very nice play in both your season long and daily tournaments. A good matchup here against Detroit. Not the greatest. Um, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Minute Maid Park in terms of uh, for pitchers. I don't know. I, I feel like, especially in left field there, the ball can really bounce around and it's not the deepest of parks. Not crazy about it for pitching, but. Uh, I think it's a good matchup here for Garcia, so I'd feel, I'd feel good using him there. Uh, not too many games left to cover here. We have the Rays and the Mariners, and this one should be pretty solid. I mean, Logan Gilbert is going, so that's appointment viewing at this point in the season. Logan Gilbert starts. Uh, he'll be going up against Matt Whistler, or maybe it's Wisler. You guys who listen to the show regularly know uh, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. Uh, if it's a broadcast that I haven't listened to a ton recently then I'm not going to know how to pronounce this guy's name. So Matt Weisler, I think it's Weisler actually, the more I say it in my head. Um, He is more than likely going to be more of an opener for Tampa tonight. So you guys do not want to go and use a move on him. Uh, Logan Gilbert, as always, will be very intriguing to watch here as he continues his ascension to stardom because he's looking like he's going to be a complete stud for several years. He is 25 years old. So hopefully we get a lot more Logan Gilbert going forward. Um uh, in future years I hope that he can keep this up anyway cuz he looks he looks fantastic. I love watching the guy pitch. Let's move on to the Rockies and the Diamondbacks here. And this one is actually, you know, you wouldn't really have expected it coming into the year that you're going to have a great pitching matchup between these two teams, but Chad Cool and Merrill Kelly. Really nice matchup here. Both guys with ERAs under 2. Kelly's is actually 1.27. Both of them I feel pretty good about using tonight. They're both very good options. Uh, surprising, I'm surprising myself as I say this, and there's something in my head that feels kind of wrong as I say this. Like, no, don't, you, you can't, you can't recommend Diamondbacks pitching. You can't do it. But he's, he's been good. You know, him and even Bumgarner, they've both been really good this year, surprisingly for bad teams. And we've seen that a little bit throughout baseball. You know, you got Paul Blackburn doing a really good job for Oakland um Bruce Zimmerman doing a really good job for the Orioles it's not just great teams that have great pitching assets which is something to really remember just because a guy plays for a bad team they can still be a great pitcher I mean look at Roy Halladay Roy Halladay didn't pitch in a playoff game for the Toronto Blue Jays ever he was with the team he drafted him in 95 he came up in 98 and played with us till 2010 and he didn't play in one playoff game we were not a good team in those years we were awful but Roy Halladay was the best pitcher in baseball you know so it's not always a direct correlation between team success and player success. Sometimes you get these guys, uh, specifically I'm talking about Merrill Kelly right now, because the Diamond- the Rockies have actually been pretty good. Uh, the Diamondbacks are going to be a bottom feeder team in the NL West, but Kelly should be able to be someone who holds pretty decent value. So I like him here. I like both of these guys here. If they're available, I would go ahead and make an ad. Uh, Miami and San Diego, this is one of the better pitching matchups tonight, I think, if it goes, the best matchup will be Gosman and Bieber, but Alcantara and Yu uh, Darvish is definitely up there. It's going to be uh, in San Diego. I'm looking at probably a low scoring game. The under, ha- I mean, the over under set at six and a half, so they're not expecting a terribly high scoring game here. Really great stuff. Obviously, these guys are rostered already. There's no move to be made, but. They're both pretty decent options in in, uh, DFS. I think Darvish especially. But both of them should do fairly well tonight. I don't have uh, have too much uh, concern regarding either of them. Uh, One more game to talk about here. And who knows, right? Who knows how many of these games I talked about are actually going to happen. But the information is here. Even if it gets pushed back to tomorrow, you guys can go back and listen tomorrow and hear what I have to say about whoever. uh, If you want to just get a little refresher. So, here we have the last game. The Cardinals and the Giants. It's going to be Jordan Hicks and Alex Cobb. Jordan Hicks has proved to us this year that he's not going to pitch more than, like, 70 pitches. He has not made it out of the fourth inning. Uh, His last start was as long as three and a third. Maybe they stretch him out a little bit more here. Maybe they don't. Regardless, I don't think it's worth using an add-on. I think it's a little bit too risky at this point in the week. Uh, Alex Cobb. He had a very rough start last time against the Washington Nationals, did not get out of the first inning. And even the one before it against the Mets was not great. So he's someone I was pretty high on coming into the year. Um, Not majorly high on, but someone I I liked. We're going to have to hope that he can do better than he has because so far he has not been particularly great. Outside of that one start, um, I forget who it was against now. San Diego. It was the San Diego start where he struck out 10 and he was really good. So we need to see more of that. We're not dropping him. Regardless of what happens here, we're not dropping him. Even if he gets blown out, I think he can do a lot better than he has. And I I don't really expect it to happen against St. Louis. St. Louis is a pretty solid offense that's been kind of rolling recently. So, yeah, he's he should be on rosters, absolutely. But tonight might not be the best uh, opportunity for him to turn it around here against a tough team. So that's... That's pretty much where I stand on him. I like him. Going forward, tonight might not be the best opportunity. Going do something a little bit new here. We're going to look back over the last week and look at the top 10 performing fantasy players. So, across... I mean, I'm going to be using uh, Yahoo as a reference here. But throughout the last week, if these guys have been performing uh, like this, then... It's going to be, they're going to be great assets pretty much wherever you go. It doesn't really matter too much on site, platform, whatever. It does a little bit in terms of the intricacies of scoring, but if guys are doing uh, this well, they're going to be doing well for you anywhere. So let's uh, start with number 10, and then we'll move our way in uh, for the last week. So the the 10th best player of the last week for me on the fantasy side has been Taylor Rodgers uh according to yahoo not really according to me in terms of the last week taylor rogers has been the 10th best player now he's pitched three and two-thirds innings four saves four strikeouts has not given up a run and there's not a lot of base runner he has been fantastic on the year he says is the number 12th total ranked player on yahoo and he's been fantastic so great stuff out of him there dylan cease is the next one over the last week he had that seven inning game where he got the victory 11 strikeouts didn't give up any runs So that start alone has him in the top 10 for this last week. Corey Kluber also finds himself inside the top 10 after back-to-back six-inning performances against Minnesota and Oakland, six strikeouts and then seven strikeouts. His ERA for the last week is 0.75. The whip is 0.42. Now he's someone who I think can have a deeper league kind of impact going forward. So if he's available, Corey Kluber, the roster percentage has gone up. He's up to 59 on Yahoo!, But if he's still available in your leagues, he is someone who I think can have back of the rotation kind of value going forward. So go ahead and pick him up if he's available. Aaron Judge is the next player. He's the seventh-ranked player this last week and the number one-ranked player over the last two weeks. So during this week, he was 6-for-21. He hit four homers. He scored the four runs. He had nine RBIs, and he stole a base while batting two eighty-six. So that was good enough for the seventh-ranked player. Over the last two weeks, he has eight homers and 17 RBIs, and he's battened to a 333 clip. So really great stuff out of Aaron Judge. He's the number three ranked player for the season. He's been unreal for the Yankees. Uh, number six over the last week has been Mr. Juan Soto. He's nine for his last 26. He has eight runs, three homers, four RBIs, a steal, and a 346 batting average. Really great stuff out of Juan Yes, you'd like some more RBIs. You'd like some more guys on base there. I mentioned it earlier, the six home runs and the only seven RBIs is really annoying. Nothing you can do about it. you got to hope throughout the year that it'll pick up a little bit. Um, Obviously, nothing you can do, right? It's Juan Soto. He was your first-round pick. You just have to hope for a little bit better in the RBI department. But overall, you can't be disappointed with what he's given you. The number five-ranked player this last week is Jordan Alvarez. He went 9-for-24 with 7 runs, 4 homers, 7 RBIs, and a 375 batting average. Great stuff on of Jordan Alvarez. He started off a little bit slow, and I did have him, I believe, in one of my Twitter buy-low segments. I mentioned him very early on, uh, and probably not much of a discount you were able to get. But if you did get him at any discount, then God bless, because he's been fantastic. Let's move on. Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas again this year. I mean, last year was a really big surprise once he got traded from Tampa to Milwaukee. And, you know, I thought it was kind of fluky. Okay, he had a great year, whatever. It's not going to happen again. It's kind of happening again to this point. Uh, this last week, he is the fourth-ranked player with nine home runs, four—or, sorry, with nine runs, four home runs, nine RBIs, and a 304 batting average. Really, really surprising stuff from Willie Adamas. I would not have expected this, but, you know, he's, he's been great. Um, part of me thinks that he's probably a sell-high, and honestly— I would if you can, if you can trade him for somebody who's a top fifty player. If you can trade him for somebody who's in the top fifty or sixty, even, uh, I would feel really good about doing that. And maybe even like top seventy, because I don't know how long we're gonna get this from Adamus. Without great, he was last year. He was a hundred and fifty third ranked player. So, if you can make a little bit of a uh, make a bit of a gain there in terms of value, then by all means go ahead and do it. Let's move on now. The number three ranked player this last week, and the number one player for the season is Manny Machado. He went seven for 23 with seven runs scored. He hit four dingers, eight RBIs, and he stole two bases while also hitting 304. Not much you can really say there. He's been outstanding. The best player uh, in fantasy to this point in the season. And I mentioned earlier someone, uh, a friend of mine, wanted to trade trade him for Boba Shett. Probably, i a- Mm, I probably wouldn't, just based on how good Machado's been. A week ago, I was thinking, yeah, okay, I can understand doing that. But, I mean, he has been just outrageous, Machado. So, I am i don't think you'd get burned, really, by doing that. But at the end of the day, I'd probably just keep Machado there. Uh, the top two players over the last week both belong to the same team, the Milwaukee Brewers. Number two is Christian Yelich, and he's been a surprise for me these last couple of days. He's been really good. And I had a question on Twitter from someone, and he was asking if he should trade Shane McClanahan. Or sorry, if he should trade Christian Yelich and get back Shane McClanahan. I would do that. Yes, Yelich has been very hot. Yelich has been very good. He's hit a couple of home runs recently. And he's still batting 247 on the year. Yes, he's batted 391 this last week with three homers, eight RBIs, and a steal. For me, I think that I don't know. It's hard to really predict with him, but I think if you're gonna trade him and get back Shane McClanahan. That's a huge win for the McClanahan side. He's one of the better pitchers in the American League and overall in baseball, I would say one of the better pitchers. So I'm OK with making a trade like that, depending on team need, obviously. The guy who was asking needed uh, more of a pitching boost on his team. So especially in that kind of case, absolutely. Uh, I think it was a great move. With that being said, Jelic has been fantastic, and I think he is maybe in a little bit of a sell-high mode because I don't think he'll keep this up for the whole year. The high ranking is a lot is a large part due to the RBIs and a couple of steals early on. Last year, he only stole nine bases and 400 plate appearance and 400 at-bats. So I'm not expecting a huge amount of steals. The average was about the same as it is now. So I don't think it'll be a great year for Yelich. I really don't. I'd be all right making a move to move on from him and with a sell-high kind of mentality at this point. Rowdy Tellez is your number one fantasy player this last week. He had a ridiculous time going 10 for 23 with six runs, four dingers, and 13 driven in. Really fantastic. Uh, a 435 batting average in that period. He is someone who, if he's on waivers, he should absolutely be added. And with that being said, I think we will go ahead and move on to our waiver wire portion where we look at the most added and dropped players today. And it makes sense because Rowdy Telez is the number one uh, added player, number one ranked player, number one added player. It makes sense. So uh, last week he was 6% rostered on Yahoo and now he is up to 44% rostered. And I mentioned it yesterday how it kind of annoyed me that the Blue Jays moved on from him. And now there's all this talk of we need a left-handed bat. And we do need a left-handed bat on the Blue Jays. And we had one and we got rid of him. And now he's mashing. So it's kind of annoying. It is what it is. If Rowdy Talaz is available in your leagues, then absolutely, I'd go and add him. Uh, Josh Winder, we talked about him. He's a very strong stream for today against Oakland. I feel very confident. I feel I feel fairly confident, not very confident. I feel pretty good about adding him uh, as a streamer for today. Uh, Royce Lewis is being called up by the Twins. I'm not sure if they have already done it, uh, but there are reports that they will be recalling him. And he is a five-category potential kind of guy. He was the number one overall pick in the 2017 draft. He should be rostered, I think, in pretty much every format at this point more so uh, like 12 and 14 team leagues. And from what I have learned um, from interacting with you guys and from your questions, most of you guys are in like 12 team plus leagues. So most of those leagues, you're going to be able to add him with the one downfall being his eligibility is only a shortstop and that's kind of a crowded fantasy position, especially if you're in a league where you just have the one shortstop spot. Now, some leagues have a quarter infield spot, middle infield slot, what have you. Some leagues just have the shortstop slot and some leagues uh, like shortstop and utility. So is he going to be the best shortstop that you can put on your team there if you only have the one spot? Almost certainly not. If you're in one of those cases where you have the middle infield slot to go along with the shortstop, then yes. Then it makes a lot more sense to me there. But it's kind of the same argument that I've had for J.P. Crawford recently. As good as he's looked, it's just kind of hard positionally to fit him in there. And you should probably be adding J.P. Crawford in most leagues. I'm just a little little tentative because of the positional eligibility. It kind of worries me. So him and the next guy I'm going to talk about, Jaron Duran, are pretty much in the same boat for me. Uh, in like 12 team, league, 12 team leagues and deeper, you can go and add speculatively because of the five category potential. And, you know, we're all a little bit cautious this year because of guys like Josh Lowe, uh, Jared Kelenic, obviously, I hope he's not a bust. I really hope he's not a bust. It's, ooh, give it, We'll give him some more time. Maybe that's a little bit too early. Those guys have really made it hard to put your faith in these prospects that are unproven and to drop an established major league player to make a, a space for these guys who have yet to face even one pitch in the major leagues a lot of the time. I think that it's all right to make the move here with these guys. They are very highly touted prospects, uh, particularly Lewis. Duran really struggled in the majors last year, so him I'd be a little more cautious about. But at the same time, he's batted like 400 in the minors this year, so he's looking really good. Royce Lewis, not quite that good in the minors, but overall I'm a little more confident with him than I am with Duran. Michael Lorenzen also been added quite a bit, and again, another another confusing one. I think think he's starting today it might be tomorrow uh either way i'd be pretty all right using an ad regardless he'll be starting against the nationals so lorenzen is a pretty safe pickup chad cool is also a pretty safe pickup for tonight against the arizona diamondbacks good matchup and he's been really good this year so far so he is definitely someone to go and add Uh, in terms of the drops uh, again it's mostly like we had seen um like mostly like we see every day here. It's pretty much the guys that didn't fare too well yesterday. So Adrian Hauser's been dropped. Him I might hold on to. Taewon Walker, yes. Hunter Green, yes. Uh, Tanner Houck, yes. Drop these guys. Dylan Bundy. They put him on the COVID IL yesterday. And they said he tested positive for COVID. It's, it's funny how often an injury or COVID pops up right after you get decimated in an outing. But he is on the COVID IL i I'm, I'm all right with dropping dylan bundy no problem there uh, that's pretty much gonna wrap it up for our show for today guys thank you so much for listening we have got through seven weeks of shows now we are through seven weeks and 35 official episodes there are a couple of demo episodes that we did as well but 35 actual shows that we have gotten through so thank you all of you who have found the show and for those of you who have helped to support it by liking stuff asking me questions on twitter And leaving those reviews here on your podcasting apps, those are really huge things in growth. Uh, If you are listening still, then scroll down to the bottom of your podcast app and just hit the five-star button. It would really help us out here if you do enjoy the content. If you are a fan of mine or a fan of Sports Ethos, it would really go a long way into helping us expand and grow here. So thank you guys so much for doing that, those of you who already have. And for those of you who have already found me on Twitter and are using my threads and asking me for advice, by all means, all of you can go ahead and do that. I'll give you the handle. It's at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O 99. I hope you guys have a fantastic Friday. And if you're looking for DFS stuff, uh, we'll hit you with a DFS pod that'll be up later today. Uh, Trying to save a little bit more time in the show for strictly like season long stuff. So the DFS stuff will be on the other channel on the DFS Today pod. You can find that a little bit later on. Guys, we will see you on Monday. Cheers. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac, Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks?